This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Are you good? Just to um, very, very quickly, just to give you two bit of information. The ladies went to Cherish uh, a couple of weeks ago. We had an amazing time. You should have been there. If you weren't, where were you? Answers on a postcard, please. So, we are going again next year. So, we need your names in, ladies. So, come and see me after. Secondly, oh, I didn't know there was water there. Um, secondly, we had our trip, kids' trips yesterday to Noah's Ark. That was amazing, too. We had an amazing, amazing time. So, lots of animals, got to milk cows and do all sorts of things. And, like Andrea said, with your giving, that was supported by the church as well. So, the tots, mums, and dads were just amazed by this church's generosity. And that's what it's about, isn't it? It's about giving to the community, serving the community, and taking them to zoos. And just, just by the way, um, I didn't know this when I booked it, but we kind of think it's a Christian place. The name does give it away a bit, doesn't it? But there were verses scattered around the zoo. And instead of evolution, stuff up on the wall, it was creation, stuff up on the wall. And uh, when they did a little talk about the farm animals and they brought the donkeys in, they actually um, told them about the importance of the donkey in the story of Jesus and the crucifixion. So we didn't know that when we went, but they got it socked to them anyway. So anyway, look, I am going to fall now. So now do you ever look around at people in your life and think, you know what, they're doing so well, they've got a better job than me, they've got more money than me, they, do, they must be doing something right. Why is it always me that is struggling and them that is kind of, you know, got an enhanced life and stuff going on? Do you ever look at other people? No. Come on, yes, you do. You look at stuff, you look at Facebook, you look at Insta, you look at maybe your neighbours, you look at maybe people in your world and you think, oh my gosh, I wish I could be a bit more like them. They've got better jobs, better cars, better houses, go on better holidays. We're always looking for kind of why we aren't getting to what we think is our kind of right. Do you get that? Yeah. yeah? One caveat, yeah, looks can be deceiving. So let's just caveat that there. But you know, God has absolutely amazing things in store for you too. Absolutely amazing things in store for you. He has a purpose for you, purpose for your life. And it's not one of drudgery. And it's not one of, of, of less. And it's not one of, of ill health. And it's not one of depression. It is one of more. Yeah. It is one of more. Okay? So, um, and regardless of kind of what happens in our life, when we kind of really lean into God, he absolutely gives us the desires of our heart. You know, Psalm 57 says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose in me. You know, nothing can happen without God ordaining it. And in one sense, we will always live in God's purpose. Whatever we do in life, we will always live in God's purpose because God is good and he works all things in our life for good according to his purpose. God has numbered your days and he will fill, fulfill every single purpose he has for you in those allotted days. However, our choices and actions really do matter. Do you hear me? God has a purpose for you. He will absolutely make sure you fulfill your purpose, but our choices and actions really do matter. So I want to look very briefly this morning at a story that shows us that the choices that we make and the actions that we take really do matter. So 
Who's watching Love Island at the moment? Admit it. Admit it. Who's watching Love Island? I tell you one thing. I tell you... Aaron, Aaron Green, Emrys, Lindsay, Lindsay. I tell you one thing. If you do watch it, so if you don't want to get hooked... If you don't want to get hooked, don't watch it because it is very, very... The girls are saying to me, come on, come watch it, come and watch it. And I'm not interested because you do get hooked. Now, for those of you looking at me thinking, what on earth is Love Island? Basically, they've put a lot of girls and a lot of boys on a luxurious villa somewhere. I don't, I'd be Thursday? I don't know. Somewhere in the sun, anyway. Somewhere in the sun. They've put them all together. And basically, the whole idea of it is that couples will couple up then they split up, and then they couple up, and they do all this recoupling, they call it. So basically, every day or two, like I said, I'm not that familiar with it, but every day or two, basically, the boys either stand in a row and the girls pick who they want to couple with for that 24 hours, or vice versa. And it's, it's a bit bizarre to me, really. But anyway, so that's what they do. Now, the story I'm going to look at today, so I'm not speaking about Love Island, so don't worry. But the story I'm going to look at today is a little bit like Love Island. They're not in a luxury villa, though. They're back in Bible times. And it's a story of a he-man with a she-weakness. Now, the story is found in Judges, and there's quite a few chapters. It's 13 to 16, so there's a lot to cover. So I'm going to explain most of it rather than give you scriptures because it's just too much to read. But it's the story of Samson. And if you, there is a film actually, Samson and Delilah, which I watched the other day. And normally, biblical films are absolute pants, aren't they? Let's be honest. The budget is really low and they're useless. Um, but it was on TV the other day. So go, go and look at it because I absolutely loved it. It was quite true to life as well as, as the Bible story, but it's really, really good. So if you can't be bothered going to read four chapters, go and pick it up on Sky or Netflix, whatever it is, because it is quite true to life. And to be honest, there were some bits in it that I thought, I didn't even know that. And I had to go and look it up. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's right. So it is quite, um, quite true to life. Now, Samson was a unique individual. He was a Nazarite. And a Nazarite was somebody who took a vow to abstain from certain things. So he wasn't allowed alcohol or anything to do with alcohol, grapes or raisins or anything. He wasn't allowed to shave or cut his hair, and he wasn't allowed to touch dead bodies. Now, normally, they would take this vow for a period of time, and the whole purpose of the vow was to show that they were devoted to God. Now, most people, like I said, did it for a short period of time. However, Samson, he had to do it for the whole of his life. That's what God had instructed his parents. He had to abstain from alcohol, from uh, shaving and cutting his hair, and um, touching dead bodies for the whole of his life. See, the reason being is that Samson had, like we have, he had a specific purpose to do. So in Judges 13 verse 5, he said, He shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Philistines? Philistines? Philistines. Now, he had a big purpose, didn't he? He had a big purpose. Judges 13 says, And the woman bore a son and called him Samson. The young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Now, the word stir literally means to motivate him to action. So God was working in Samson's life from his very, very first day. And we'll see over and over again that God just blesses him and touches him and makes sure that the purpose of God um, happens in his life. So his purpose was to deliver the children of Israel. And for 20 years, he was able to do just that. The Philistines made every attempt to destroy him, but failed constantly. He was causing havoc for them. 
And that he vowed that he would destroy them and destroy anything because they were not obeying God, they were not liking God, and they were just doing their own thing. Now, for those of you who've got children, the one of the worst things about having children, I think, there's lots of worst things. If you haven't had kids, if you haven't got kids, there are lots of them. But I think one of the worst things is when they start dating. Do you think so? Or is it just because they got girls? I don't know. So as you know, we got, we got three girls. And literally, you know, from day one, for when they're in school, like the age of three or four, they've come back, Mom, I got a boyfriend. I, I, was, I was actually going to name them, but I thought, no, I better not, just in case they listen on podcasts, because Karis had one that she always said she was going to marry, but I better not name him in case he uh, listens to the podcast. <laughs> now, when they come home at three and at four, and they've got a boyfriend, it's like, oh, cool. Because all it means, oh, let's be honest, all it means, they're sharing sweets on the playground, <laughs> and they're, you, you know, they're like looking out for each other, that's fine. Now, when they come home at 16 and say they have a boyfriend... That's a little bit different, isn't it? I don't know what it's like in your house. But in our house, it's, where's he from? Where's he live? Who's his parents? What do they do for a living? Don't quite get to what size bank account do they have, but they need a big one with our girls, I can tell you that now. <laughs> and then when they actually visit our house, they have a full assessment of suitability. That's what's conducted in our house, a full assessment of suitability. Now, over the years, some have passed the test. Let me tell you, some haven't. And we've been kind of, really, really, is this going to happen? You see, by the way, I better put this in. Ben, if you're listening online, you're fine. You passed the suitability test. You are fine. I thought I better put that in. So Ben's been approved. You see, we all want our kids to end up with somebody that we approve of, don't we? For me, it is different to the girls. For me, it's somebody clean-shaven. Sorry, guys, I don't like facial hair. Somebody clean-shaven, short hair, and that they can keep the girls... Uh, in the way that they are used to. Now, when I say keep them in the way they're used to, they have to be able to cover their ASOS monthly bill because otherwise, otherwise they're going to be running back to ma'am to, uh, to help out. So, Ben, you need to cover a very big ASOS monthly bill. And so it was, and so it was with Samson. You see, Samson returned to his parents and told them that he'd found somebody that he wanted to marry in Judges 14 verse 3. And he asked them, why, why, why? No, because it wasn't Delilah. Nah. I thought I'd catch you out. But Samson had been, listen, he was a he-man with a she-weakness. He had been with a lot of women in his time, as we read through the Bible. But the interesting thing is, not one of them is named except Delilah. So he actually went and asked permission um, from his parents, not for Delilah, but he asked his parents that he wanted to marry this woman that he had seen in the Philistines' camp. So he'd actually, it was, an, it was an enemy, and he'd gone and asked his parents if he could marry her. If he'd gone and said, can I marry Delilah, what do you think their response might have been? Had they known? They would have said, don't date Delilah. And that's what I want to speak about today. Don't date Delilah. Let me tell you why, why, why Delilah. John 10 verse 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. And 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, control yourself. Be on your guard. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion, looking for someone to devour. You see, this is why Delilah because Delilah didn't just turn up 
Samson didn't just see her. Delilah was sent to him. So just like the hunter looks through his barrel or whatever that's called, look, what? Sights? Looks through his sights, sees the deer, pulls the trigger, the bullet goes firing down and kills that poor little deer. That's exactly what Delilah was sent to do, to kill and destroy Samson. And that's why, why Delilah. You see, the Philistines were scared of him. They knew he had the power to destroy them. He was causing havoc for them already, and they needed to stop him. Now, they didn't know what his source of strength was, but they definitely knew what his source of weakness was. And that was women. And that's why they sent Delilah. You see, what we need to be aware of, and we've sang this morning that we're children of God. As children of God, what we need to be aware of is the devil is scared of us too. He is scared of you. He knows that you have the power over him. Sometimes he knows more than we do because we don't know that sometimes. But he knows that we have the power over him and not the other way around. He needs to stop us. He knows where our strength comes from, which is God. But he also knows where your weakness is too. And what he does is he sends your weaknesses to destroy your strength. Are you hearing me? He sends your weaknesses to destroy your strength. 1 John 4 verse 4 says he is a real person. He is a real enemy of your soul. But, and I love buts in the Bible. Don't you love buts in the Bible? But the great truth of God's word is that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So everyone has a Delilah to face in their life. Delilah is being has been and will be sent to you. So you need to be on your guard because she is a real enemy of your soul. But there are warning signs and we need to take heed of the warning signs before Delilah comes in and stops our purpose and maybe even stops our life. You see, Samson met Delilah before he met Delilah. Does that make sense? Samson met Delilah before he actually met Delilah. Now, he didn't come necessarily as a lover, but she was there throughout his life. Now, Delilah is a Hebrew name that means temptress. But it's interesting to note that the Bible doesn't give an actual description of Delilah. It doesn't mention how beautiful she was. It doesn't say that she was blonde with blue eyes and an hourglass shape, long legs. It doesn't say anything about her. She could have been buck teeth and ugly as sin, for all we know. There is no description whatsoever. And I think that's significant because without a description, Delilah could be anyone. She can become anyone, anything that she needs to be in your life in order to destroy you. Get it? Yeah. There is no description. She can be anyone. Delilah could be an attitude that makes you think that you can do this your way. She might be an addiction that you can't break. She might be the thing that causes you to cross the line of decency and morality and cause you to do things that you said you would never do. Delilah could be the situation that makes you say something that you didn't want to say. She could be the place that wherever you go there, you get involved in something that you really didn't want to get involved in. Delilah could be that person that whenever you're around, you criticize, you pull people down. You know it's wrong, but whenever you're around this person or these people, you can't help yourself. Delilah could be a spirit that causes you to be depressed, hopeless, discouraged, lonely, frustrated, maybe even suicidal. You see, Delilah tells you you're not good enough and you're not loved, that you are nothing. She could be money, power. 
She can be prestige. She can be position. She can be drugs. She can be sex. She can be whatever it takes to get you attracted to her and then pull you down. So Samson met Delilah long before he met Delilah. Now, the first Delilah he met, we see quite early on, and it's the Delilah bad attitude. John Maxwell says your attitude determines your, determines your actions and your actions determines your accomplishments. It starts with your attitude. But Samson, although he had a great commission, had been placed on his life, he had an important job to do, he had a vital purpose. His bad attitude kicks in very early on. You see, we literally see him going into the enemy's camp. He sees somebody hot. He decides, that's the person I want to marry. It wasn't Delilah. That's the person I want to marry. And his parents, he goes back to his parents and they're like, guy, you know, what are you doing? She's not even one of us. She's an enemy. But what does he say in Judges 14? The English Standard Version says, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. King James Version says, she pleases me. You see, if we are honest, this is our mission statement as well, isn't it? Over our lives. We do what is right in our eyes. We do what we want, when we want, and we live under the delusion that this is the best way to live. As long as I am pleased, as long as I am satisfied, this is what I'm going to do. So our attitude can be our Delilah. It's about me. It's about what I feel. It's about what I want. It's about what I get. It's me. You see, Samson does get his way, and he ends up marrying um, this woman. And the party is going to last seven days. Now, if anybody's paid for a wedding or about to pay for a wedding, you'll be going, phew, I'm glad it's only one day in the UK. My gosh, seven days. But that was the culture at the time. And so Samson goes back to the Philistine town to make plans for the wedding. On his way there, he actually meets his second Delilah. He walks through a vineyard. Now, what was he? Nazarite. He's not supposed to be anywhere near a vineyard. You see, it started with his attitude, and now he's visiting places he shouldn't visit. Samson's second Delilah was bad places. A place where you know you shouldn't be. For you, it could be a pub. It could be a betting shop. It could be a particular area of town. It's somewhere that isn't good for you. It could be even staying at home on a Sunday morning instead of being here, where you should be. You see, a place where Samson was at the vineyard in itself wasn't the issue. The place isn't bad, but it was bad for him. The pub isn't bad, but it might be bad for you. It's the temptation that comes when you're there. You see, I can go to a pub and I can drink Coke all night. I can go to a betting shop and never put a bet on. I can go to an area of town and not fall into with the drug addicts. I can go to somebody's house and I can not gossip. I can miss one service at church because I'm tired or I'm not feeling it, but I'll be here next week. Others can't. They miss months. But I struggle going into Zara. <laughs> Let's be true. I struggle going into Zara and not coming out with a shopping bag. And sometimes I can't afford it. Everybody's Delilah is different. And I know that's petty, but for some, it, money is a big, big issue. Now, whilst he was in the vineyard, Samson gets attacked by a lion. So, again, it's an amazing story. Watch the film. or read. Better still read the Bible, obviously. <laughs> obviously. But watch, watch the film. Anyway, he gets attacked by a lion. And that's when he meets his other Delilah. Judges 14 says, The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces. 
Now he goes on to say, like you would do a goat. Because yeah. I do that every day. <laughs> it's like, what? So anyway, he tore the lion in pieces. Now a few days later, Samson was passing through the vineyard again. He's there again. Yeah, note, he's there again. And he looks over to the lion that he has killed. When he approaches the carcass, he notices a swarm of bees. He walks up, and when he looks in, the bees obviously have produced honey. So he puts his hand in. This is just violent itself, isn't it? He puts his hand into a dead lion's carcass, takes the honey out, and then does something even worse, eats it. So first, he is somewhere where he shouldn't be. Now he's doing things he shouldn't do. He's not supposed to touch dead bodies. So not only did he touch a dead body, but now he's eating something out of a dead body. So Delilah, number three, is bad choices. Samson's making bad choices. You see, when our attitude is one of this is about me, we end up in places we shouldn't be. And it's only a matter of time before we're doing things we shouldn't be doing. You see, he had to kill the lion. It was self-defense, Your Honor. You see, the devil is cunning and will create an environment that you have to do things. Where it's difficult to get out of a situation. So, for example, getting drunk. Well, they kept buying me drinks, Your Honour. Taking drugs. Well, I was down and they said it would make me feel better, Your Honour. Sleeping around. Well, I didn't want to look boring, Your Honour. Even things like gossiping or criticism. Well, what was I supposed to say? They were all saying it, Your Honour. Or ignoring somebody. Or avoiding somebody. Well, do you know what they did to me, Your Honour? The story continues and the wedding is now here and Samson can't help himself from getting into even more trouble. Now, stay with me with this one because it's a bit complicated. He met with some 30 men that had been given to him. He had no friends, so the groomsmen were given to him um, from his in-laws or whatever. He made a bet, trying to be cocky again now, he made a bet with these 30 men that they couldn't solve a riddle that he poses to them. Now, I won't go into the riddle, but the riddle was all about him killing the lion, getting the honey and whatever. Now, of course, they couldn't get that riddle because they didn't know anything about what he'd done. And incidentally, as a side note, because Andrew always puts side notes in, so I'll put one in. As a side note, if you do read the Bible, at every point it says, and he did not tell his parents. And he did not tell his parents. And he did not tell, and he did not tell. You see, what this does to you as well, what Delilah does to you, is spirals you down into lies and lies and lies and obvious shame. Because that's why he didn't say anything. Because he knew he shouldn't be doing it. And here he was again, getting them to this riddle that they would know nothing about because nobody knew about this scenario with a lion. So after three days, these guys couldn't work out this riddle. So what they did, they bribed his new wife to get the answer. Basically, she got the answer, gave it back to them. They fixed the riddle. And now, because he put a bet on, Samson had lost the bet. What a fool. (laughs) What a fool. Now, Samson wasn't a rich guy, so he couldn't pay the debt that he owed. So we see, and the the debt, by the way, was something stupid as well. He had to provide 30 garments back to the people that had sorted the riddle out. So Judges 14 says, again, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. See, God hasn't left him, even though he's doing his own thing. God is still there. Then the spirit of the Lord powerfully came upon him. He went down to the town, which I can't pronounce, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything, gave their clothes then to the people who had explained the riddle. Samson was being dragged further and further down by the places he was visiting and the decisions he was making. 
Did he stop for one minute to think, what on earth am I doing? What is happening to me? Maybe he did. But James 4 tells us very clearly, it is a sin to know what you should do and then not do it. So a while later, Samson gets lonely and he goes back to visit his wife. The plot thickens. And when he gets to the town, her father says, oh, I've given her away to your best man, to your best friend. It's like, who does that? (laughs) Ben. (laughs) You know you, when you come back. (laughs) Then when Samson, um, that's when Samson meets Delilah number four. Bad emotions. You see, what happened at that time, it was the time of wheat harvest in the town, which was huge economic implications for the Philistines. It brings them loads of money in. So what Samson did was the next logical thing, as we would all think of doing, wouldn't we? In his anger, and with obvious revenge in his heart, he caught 40 foxes. Who does that, who does that for a start? How do you do that for a start, isn't it? Then, then the plot thickens. He tied them tail by tail. How do you do that? But then he sets fire to them. I hope the RSPCA aren't listening. Because he sets fire to them and sets them loose in the field. And obviously, they burn the whole field up. So the Philistines now have lost their whole crop. I mean, just saying, don't put this on podcast. But for for revenge, that ain't bad. That ain't a bad revenge, is it? Oh, my gosh. Up there for thinking, I tell you. Now, the Philistines reacted, obviously, And they retaliated. And what they did is they burnt his wife's house down with his wife and his father-in-law in in it. You see, revenge never ends up how we think it's going to end up. They say revenge is sweet. It ain't. Samson reacted badly to the news of his wife, as you would, being given to your best mate. But he let his anger and revenge, he let those emotions take over and it cost him his home and his family. Confucius says, before you embark on a road of revenge, dig two graves. And Gandhi obviously agreed with him because he says an eye for an eye only ends up making the whole world blind. Now, psychologists tell us that all bitterness starts out with hurt. Someone wronging you in some way which can either be actual or perceived. And this hurt left untreated quickly turns to anger and coupled with resentment left to fester quickly becomes destructive bitterness. They say that bitterness is regarded as one of the most destructive and toxic of human emotions. It starts to define who you are, takes hold of your personality, and we end up becoming the victim of ourselves. Samson was a victim of his bad attitude, his bad decisions, his bad emotions. He was a victim of himself. So what should we do when we're wronged? Well, Romans 12 is very clear. When someone does something bad to you, do not pay them back with something bad. Do what all men know is right and good. So the story continues and we see Samson's own people turning on him now. They tie into a rock, leave him for the Philistines. But the spirit of the Lord, and notice, the spirit of the Lord came upon him again. And Judges 15 tells us that the ropes virtually melted away. And he finds a fresh jawbone of a donkey and with that kills a thousand men. Again, breaking his vow, picking up a jawbone. He's not supposed to touch dead bodies and he kills a thousand men with it. You see, this pattern is played over and over and over again. Samson does what he thinks is right in his eyes with no regard for God. 
He thinks he's doing it in his strength when in reality God's presence and God's strength is with him. And that's when he meets Delilah number six. His judgment is bad. Bad judgment. You see, Samson just thought this was him. He acknowledged God not one time in his life. Samson had made the call that actually he was the one in control. He was living in his own strength. He seems to be always doing the wrong thing, but still ending on top. Now he's killed a thousand men with a jawbone, and he's thirsty. And we see him for the first time acknowledge God. He hadn't done it at any other time until he needed something. And he was in a bad place. Judges 15 says, and he was very thirsty and he called on the Lord and he said, you have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant and now you let me die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised. This prayer probably sounds familiar to you because you see many of us do exactly that. We don't acknowledge God in our lives. Our judgment is, is that we've done this. We can do this. I'm going to do this. Instead of acknowledging that, you know what? We can't do anything without God. Bad judgment. And that's exactly what Samson does. And here we see him now. Finally, he needs something from God. He's in a bad place. And that's what we do, don't we? We don't give God sometimes a second thought until we've had a bad health report. We don't give God a second thought until maybe we haven't got the finances to pay the next mortgage. We don't give God a second thought until we need him. When we think we need him. And that's what Samson does. And God, because he's not like me, has compassion, splits it open a rock and provides water for him. Now you think this would be a turning point in Samson's life, wouldn't you? You'd think that he'd have recognized, okay, all this has been going wrong, all this has been going wrong. But no, what does he do? He goes to the next town, finds the next prostitute, and spends the night with her. Back to his old ways. So there's a warning here. Because this marks a turning point in Samson's story. Because if you read the rest of the story, you'll notice the Bible no longer mentions the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. Not until the very end, but we'll come to that. So here's something we need to recognize. God is kind, he's compassionate, he is loving, but he's not going to be mocked. God is not willing to let people keep rebelling again and again and again without them feeling some of the consequences of what they're doing. The majority of the problems in our lives are because we do what is right in our eyes far too often. If it feels good, we do it. But that philosophy maybe hasn't led us to where we thought it would lead us. It's broke us. And because God is good, he forgives us, restores us. But then we go right back to doing the very thing that broke us. If you keep going back to your old ways, if we keep recoupling or dating Delilah, don't be surprised when destruction, what the destruction it brings. Yeah, God will forgive. But at some point, he's going to say, do you know what? I'm going to let you have what you want. And that's a life without me. He will always, don't get me wrong, he will always forgive. He will always have you back. But it's like somebody, isn't it? When you give and you give and you give and there's no, you know, no thank yous. No, you're like, do you know what? I, I, I can't keep doing this. I'm not going to be taken for a mug anymore. But that's how we treat God. We treat him sometimes like a mug. And you know, that's when Samson meets Delilah. 
the final Delilah, the actual Delilah. He meets the final Delilah in bad people. Samson's life decisions finally catch up with him. And in Judges 16, we see Samson fall in love with Delilah. We probably all know this part of the story. Delilah has been sent to Samson in order to learn his source of strength so that the Philistines can capture him. Over the course of the chapter, we see Delilah seduce Samson, then beg him to tell, him, uh, tell her his secret. And he tells her a lie to appease her, doesn't he? She ties him up, she calls the Philistines in, Samson breaks free, he kills them. Then she does it again, he does the same again, then she does it again. Three times that happened, you think Samson would have got the message, wouldn't you? The warning sign was there, clear. She was asking him, what's your strength? He was lying to her. She was calling the Philistines in. You'd think he'd, he'd see it. And the problem is, is sometimes we are in places with people, doing things, bad attitudes, bad emotions. We know it's wrong, but we just do it again. One day, Samson had finally had enough of Delilah's nagging, so finally gives in, tells her his secret that the power is in his hair. He falls asleep. She calls the Philistines in. They shave his head. He wakes up, tries to break free as he's always done, and guess what? This time God has left him, and he has no power. Delilah has come and wooed Samson. He believes she loves him, but there were plenty of warning signs. Three times, in fact. The Bible warns us about people who are not good for us. In Corinthians, it says, bad, comp bad companions ruins good characters. Proverbs 22 says, don't make friends with hot-tempered people. Do not associate with one easily angered. Romans 16 goes on to say, watch out for those who cause division and put obstacles in your way. Keep away from them. And 2 Timothy lists a load of stuff, which when you read it, you'd think would be murderers or rapists. no. It's lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. My gosh, he's, got, he's explaining some of us there. But what does he finish with? Have nothing to do with these people. Delilah was dangerous. She was toxic. He should never have been with her. He should not have dated Delilah. Who is your bad influence? Who is your Delilah? Who should you be avoiding? You see, one of the worst things, so use a caveat because you will get hassle. One of the worst things about toxic people is when you do create distance between you and them for your own protection. Those are the very people that accuse you of being bitter and unforgiving. Choosing to distance yourself from someone doesn't make you unforgiving at all. Forgiveness doesn't mean that there are no consequences, that you should put yourself back into the position of being hurt. What forgiveness does mean is that you won't seek revenge. It does mean that you're not going to hang on to bitterness. But sometimes you do have to put distance for you and your family to remove yourself from the place of continued harm. If that's what Samson had done, how different might the story have ended up? So as the team come and play now, let me ask you, are you dating Delilah? Do you have an attitude of, well, I'm doing it my way. I'm doing what pleases me. Do you go to places that aren't good for you? Are you doing things and making choices that are bad for you? Do you have impaired judgment on situations? Do you seek revenge rather than forgiveness? Do you take people down rather than raise people up? Do you have people in your life that are toxic? They are not good for you. You see, up to this point, Samson had broken every rule but one. He hadn't cut his hair. But at the end, 
And, and over the time, God has patiently waited for him to repent. But when he does break the last rule, God isn't there to bail him out. Samson had to suffer the consequences. Why? Because God needed him to feel the weight of what he was doing. So that hopefully Samson would realize and repent and come back. I never want to be in a situation where God has to teach me a lesson and leave me feel the weight of what I'm doing in order to bring me back. Please, God, never, never let me be in that situation. And so the story concludes. The Philistines, as we all know, take Samson. They gouge his eyes out with hot rods. They force him into labor and he ends up grinding corn, which for him is the lowest of the low. He should never have been in that situation. After a while, they bring him out at a party, chain him to pillars as entertainment. They mock him and watch him as he entertains them. And that's when Samson, maybe for the first time, gets it. And he prays an honest prayer. He says, remember me. And he begs God for strength one more time. He now recognizes that it was God that had done everything for him. That God gave him the strength. And it's now that God returns. Gives him the desires of his heart. Gives him the strength. And we all know he shakes the pillars. Pulling down the roof. And killing at least 3,000 Philistines. But himself as well. And that's Samson's life. It's quite a sad story, really, isn't it? A man that had so much potential. A man that had, he, he, was, he was known as in his community. He did achieve God's purpose. He did start to bring the Philistines down, but it cost him everything, including his own life, just because he dated Delilah. So who's your Delilah? What is your Delilah? What is binding you, blinding you, grinding you, and will destroy you? Let's bow our heads and just think about that for a moment. Because what I want to do in just finishing, as we're in the thick of Love Island at the moment, let me ask you this morning, and this is a daily, a daily decision. Who are you going to couple with this morning? Of you oldies, who are you going to date this morning? Is it going to be Delilah? Or is it going to be God? Imagine them standing in front of you, Delilah or God. Let me tell you a few things about them both. Let me tell you a few things about Delilah, first of all. Delilah is attractive. Delilah is fun. Delilah meets your human needs, or maybe I should say your human wants. Delilah will make you feel good, but usually only for a short time. Delilah is what you think you need and your friends will definitely like Delilah. But Delilah will deceive you. She will tempt you. She will take away your strength little by little. She will hold you back from your destiny. Delilah nags you to do things that you don't want to do and eventually wears you down to the point of tolerating things you would not normally tolerate. Delilah takes you to dark places and involves you in dark things. Delilah leaves you behind. She hasn't got your back. She brings with her feelings of hopelessness, despair, anxiety, depression and fear. There is no future with Delilah. She will lie to you and she will destroy you. So let me tell you 
a few things about God. Your other option. God is a gracious God. He doesn't treat you as your behavior or your attitude deserves. God takes you by the right hand and leads you in paths that are good for you. He goes before you. He never leaves you or lets you down. He has amazing plans to prosper you and to give you the desires of your heart so that you don't ever have to be afraid or downhearted. When you feel weak, God is strong. And when you need refreshing, he lets you rest and renews your strength. He doesn't just meet all your needs. In fact, he opens the floodgates of heaven and pours out so much blessing that you will have no room to store it. It's far more than you can ask or imagine. You don't need to ask if your cup is half empty or half full because God makes sure that it's overflowing. He fights for you. He doesn't allow any weapon formed against you to harm you. When you pass through the waters, he is with you. You won't drown. When you walk through the fires, you won't get burned. In fact, you won't even smell of burning. God is forgiving and good and abounding in love. You don't need to be anxious about anything because if you seek him with all of your heart, if you look for him, then all these things will be given to you as well. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He picks you out of the pit that sometimes you get yourself into. Breaks all the chains that tries to keep you down. And even when your path is through the valley of the deepest darkness, he's gone before you and leads you through all the way. You see, if you ask God, he will give. If you seek God, he will be found. If you knock, he will open the door to you every single time. He promises That his goodness and love will chase after you all the days of your life. And even when life is through, he'll take you to be with him in his glorious presence forever. So this morning, who are you going to be coupled with? Who are you going to be dating? Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.